This podcast was recorded on the southern tip of Vancouver Island, the traditional territories of the Lekwungen peoples. We acknowledge and thank the Lekwungen people, also known as the Songhees and Esquimalt First Nations communities, for their stewardship, care, and leadership on these lands. Turn it on. Hey, hey, what's up? Welcome to Coaches Calls. My name is Brad Challoner. This is Conversations with the Leaders of lacrosse, a place where we get deeper into the insights and philosophies behind some of lacrosse's greatest minds. Thanks for kicking off 2024 with me. Thanks for being here. We do this every Monday throughout the National Lacrosse League season to kick the week off right and uh, hopefully kick the year off right too. So I appreciate you hanging out. A new year brings new beginnings and Josh Sanderson is a first-time head coach in the National Lacrosse League. So I thought, let's kick 2024 off with Josh Sanderson, the new head coach and assistant general manager of the Calgary Roughnecks, the newest head coach in the National Lacrosse League. A legend on the floor, 19 seasons, two championships, one of the greatest playmakers of all time, the straw that stirs the drink. He sits third in NLL history in assists. And maybe my favorite Josh Sanderson stat is that in his final full season, well into his 30s, he set what was then a league record with 83 assists. He then retired midway through the next season and was inducted into the National Lacrosse League Hall of Fame. So his last full season set the league record with 83 assists. I think it's something very special and unique about the sport of lacrosse is guys can put up really big numbers later into their career with different body types and different skill sets. The game just slows down and your IQ and anticipation takes over. And Josh Sanderson was really one of those players who exemplified that. After retirement, the Orangeville, Ontario native was quickly hired by the Toronto Rock as assistant general manager. He moved behind the bench of the San Diego Seals as their offensive coordinator and director of player personnel before accepting this new head coaching job in Calgary in the summer of 2023. His dad is a Hall of Fame coach and lacrosse legend, Terry Sanderson. We'll hear him talk about his dad in this chat. And, you know, I really think Josh's playing career alone should set him up for success as a coach. One of my all-time favorite players, one of the smallest guys on the floor, but always played with the biggest heart and the craftiness and creativity that makes our sport so special. The guy was um, uh, uh, such an inspiration on the floor with his heart and his hustle. Josh Sanderson is on Coach's Calls. Thanks for listening. And Josh, thanks for doing this. No problem. I'll do my best. You're the newest coach I've interviewed so far and one of the only ones who went through an interview process in the offseason. So hopefully some of these questions are fresh and uh, you probably answered them to Mike Board recently. I probably have. So, uh, yeah, no, this will be fun. Is this full-time for you now? Are you a full-time coach? Right now I'm coaching, yeah. My cousin uh, has taken over at the store, kind of buying me out. So um, lacrosse, lacrosse, lacrosse lately. That's awesome. When did you decide you wanted to be a head coach? Well, I was in a good situation in San Diego, so I wasn't really looking um, to leave. And then obviously the Calgary opportunity came up and it was uh, it was just something that I couldn't turn down, obviously playing there and winning there. And um, yeah, it was a tough decision because I loved uh, obviously my time with San Diego and how I was treated. And 
but super excited now, you know, back being a roughneck and um, fond memories from when I played there. So San Diego wasn't really like a stepping stone to your first head coaching job. This wasn't a goal. I, it hasn't been a goal to be honest. I was really, I really liked working with uh, side by side with Patty. He gave me, um, you know, lots of trust and um, yeah, it was just a good situation for me. So I wasn't really looking for um, to leave. It's just this opportunity came up in an organization that, uh, you know, I love playing with and won in and um, you know, after meeting the guys in Calgary and that it's just been a, a good fit so far. Well, it's too good of an opportunity to pass up it sounds like what else attracted you to the job well obviously um you know their team uh you know obviously with delves and their defense and uh you know they're just real tough to play against last year so i was really uh intrigued about um you know that's that style with uh, delves leading the way and obviously you know being a head coach um you get more responsibility so i was ready for that even though i wasn't looking for it i felt i was ready so um yeah, it's, you know, it's been busy because I got a late start. Obviously, uh, things didn't play out. So I got basically hired a few days in uh, free agency. So uh, just a lot of catching up to do. And, and um, things have been going good with uh, Mike and Laura. And um, yeah, so far, so good. Are you guys trying to determine sort of like overall picture or sort of a the identity of, of what a Josh Anderson coach team is going to be what kind of team do you want to to build and principles do you want to instill in these guys well we want to be very tough to play against uh you know similar style to what they've been playing obviously with your goaltending and defense leading the way and and uh you know they scored quite a bit last year too so we want to be a what well-rounded team um obviously they got a good transition game which i've always kind of preached with my teams that i've coached back home so yeah, they're similar to what a team that I've, you know, usually coach. Uh, so I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, just tinkering a little bit. I know they've been well-prepared and they got a good group. So just trying to build off of last year and not kind of reinvent the wheel. You're going in such an interesting situation where they're, they were coached by mouse and they were so, so structured and, and so by the book, do you plan to carry a little bit of that on? Like how much of that is you and uh, and or how much conversely do you think is going to be different um under you well i definitely like some structure um i also don't like too much of it so uh gonna try to find the happy medium there um you know just building chemistry you know team first um i think a lot of the things have been installed there and uh obviously they had a real good year last year and um we're just going to try to build off that and like i said not tinker too much and then um once we get some games under under our belts we can you know make adjustments from there what motivates you oh winning and competing uh you know i love competing uh you know love working with a group of men uh you know for the same common goal and trying to win um obviously baby steps you know playoffs and then playoff success and then try to win the championship. So, uh, yeah, always going to be winning and competing. I, I love that part. I love the NLL, um, the setup of week to week, the preparation, obviously every game means so much compared to not taking a shot at the summer, but in the summer ball, you might have three games in one week and you know, it, it just every weekend you got to be at your best. And, um, I love the challenge of that. How have you been able to balance 19 years in the league and, and a coach, um, how have you been able to balance your, your coaching life with your, your everyday life, your family life? 
obviously with a good support system, uh, you know, with Lindsay and the kids. Um, so right now, obviously, is busier with the uh, off floor work and playing earlier now, uh, you know, more coaching and trying to get my kids to where they need to go and follow, you know, their lacrosse or whatever my daughter's doing and, and looking after Owen. So just a great support system, allowing me to get away on the weekends. Obviously, it's a kind of like traveling man's league. Uh, and Friday to Sunday, you're pretty wrapped up in, in what's going on um, in the NLL. So during the week, obviously, I try to pay that back. And uh, my wife's on call a bunch. So we just kind of make it worse, work the best we can. And um, yeah, it's, it's a tough grind for a lot of people in this league. So uh, just make it work and enjoy it as much as you can. How do you relax then? Because, you know, you do come home and then it's it's home life and it's go, go, go. Those four or five days a year round for you have to take off on the weekend again. Where does downtime come in or does it? Well, winning helps with that. Obviously, uh, you know, if you can get a big win on the weekend, it makes, uh, you know, it's a lot easier to work after a win and make adjustments after winning, I always say. So um, definitely, you know, the weekend kind of carries over to the week. And um, but I love watching Dylan and Cam play. I'll try to get down to State College a bit and watch him and uh, yeah, just, you know, I like to relax by kind of watching them play now and um I don't coach. I coached Dylan a little bit this past summer, but I don't plan on coaching him much, to, you know, in the next few years. So just maybe uh, getting to watch. You know, conversely, how 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 bad does a loss affect you throughout the week? Like, what's different waking up on a Sunday after a loss than after a win? Uh, everything. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just <laughs> you don't want to get too high, too low, but obviously. Uh, you know, you prepare, prepare all week and every game's big. So uh, you got a lot invested. So obviously winning, um, you know, you can enjoy yourself a little bit more. And then obviously after a, a loss, it kind of gives you a little kick to, you know, find a way not to make sure it doesn't happen again next weekend. So uh, yeah, I, I find uh, obviously when you're, when you're around your kids and that it doesn't come into play, but with the conversations with the coaching staff and uh, meetings, um, yeah, they're definitely different. I believe after a win and a loss. Would you say then almost that you're one of those guys where you're almost more motivated by the fear of losing than the joy of winning? Like what outweighs the other? Oh, geez. No, I, I like just, you know, finding a way to uh, win a game with a group that's very invested and you work all week to, to get that result. And, um, you know, you compete, you're competing against top teams almost every week. And, you know, it's not the old days in the NLL where you could pick out the odd win on the schedule there. Um, now it's, if you're not ready to play, you're not winning. So, uh, you know, it's just, yeah, it's just that team winning atmosphere that I love to be around. And, um, and hopefully uh, I'm walking into a good situation, which I think I am. Oh, totally. I think it's a great fit and a homecoming of sorts since you played there. And I don't mean to get too highbrow with that question there, but just trying to figure out what makes you tick. So, so you're taking over an established team. How do you take the pulse of the room then and find out where this group is at? Uh, communication, obviously. Um, very important, obviously, to have with your players and your staff. I think we got a great leadership group in Calgary that I'm, I'm getting to know more and more. So uh, I'll be leaning on them, but obviously communication, I, I think is very important with your players and getting their feedback and, you know, getting as much information as you can and trying to make the best decision for the team um, through everything. All right. Everything. I want everything team first. So uh, 
Obviously, uh, you know, player to player accountability is very important. Again, I, I feel very good going into the this group of guys. I feel there's a, you know, player to player accountability and good leadership. So that makes my job a lot easier. How do you pick a good leader? Like I know they've got leaders there already, and I don't I don't expect the C's coming off of Jesse King anytime soon. But you know, if you were walking into a fresh group with a um with guys you didn't know or a team that you sort of were building from the ground up. How are you going to establish, who do you establish as your, as your leaders? Oh, the guys that lead by example, uh, for sure. It doesn't always have to be rah-rah. He can be quiet, but you want somebody that's doing the right things on and off the floor. So the players are following and everybody's doing the right habits. So uh, yeah, Jesse King uh, from the outside looking in was one of the better captains in the league last year. So can't see that being an issue, but yeah, it's all about, um, you know, leading, you know, leading by example, I would say. Let's have some fun with hypotheticals for a minute. Let's say you have a player who is maybe underperforming or not reaching their potential, and they know you know that they have another notch to take to step up their game. How do you get through to a player like that? I would say again, communication. Uh, it starts it off with, and and you know, talking to him, seeing you know, letting him know what he needs to do a little bit more of, and picking his brain, see what he's seeing. You know, eventually, if that doesn't work, obviously, floor time's still your biggest tool as a, a coach. Everybody wants to play, so um, it's not easy always, but taking away minutes uh, is obviously a, still a tool that I would use. So that's an interesting one then because I guess some coaches would say you got to try to play out of a slump and, and take your shot. So how do you balance uh, protecting your floor time and using that as as privilege with trying to get a guy – back into the back into the rhythm of things and kind of shoot until he's hot again well they obviously it's shoot away it's it's about doing the little things and, and all the other things if your shot's not on that's not going to be the issue um it's whether you know you're not working hard enough or doing the little things when your shot's not on um so yeah guys shooting the ball and you know making hard working mistakes is never an issue with me it's it's, you know, it's, it's a lack of focus or a little bit of a lack of compete that'll get you in trouble with me. So, uh, yeah, a guy, you know, if a guy's 0 for 12 and playing hard and, and doing everything right, that's just the way it goes. Do yeah. you believe it's your job to, to make these guys hungry and have that compete? Like how much of that is on you to, to make them uh, motivate them? Oh, I'm looking for self motivators, to be honest, Brad. Uh, you know, I shouldn't have to say too much to, you know, you got to do your prep during the week, just like I do, you know, you got to make sure your body's right. You got to make sure that you're at hundred percent for uh game time at seven o'clock on Friday or Saturday. So that's, you know, I, I can't see myself hooting, hollering too much with, um, you know, these guys. So a lot of talk on self-motivation, uh, you know, getting you healthy after, you know, if you're banged up after the win, making sure you're eating right and doing everything so you can be at your best. So, a lot of self-motivation where I'll just let them do their thing. And, and then it's up to performance. Um, you know, they're going to look at, at me to be prepared just as much as anybody, uh, any other coach in the league. And, and um, you know, kind of same the other way. I want them prepared for the game. And uh, it's a give and take, right? If everybody's doing their job, usually you get the results. How do you kind of screen for self-motivated players then? What criteria are you looking at? Well, obviously watching tape and just knowing them and competing, you know, I played against some of them, you know, competing against them, coaching against them. You know, you always want those guys that, you know, when they're playing that 60 minute game, they're just locked in. 
um, whatever it's going to take to find a way to win that game. That's what they're going to do. So those are the type of guys we're after. Obviously you're going to have different personalities and people are going to show it different, which is totally fine, but guys aren't going to have too much problem with me if they're competing for 60 minutes and, um, yeah, it's not always going to go our way, but I find if, you know, if you're ready to compete and do your job, then, uh, we should be in good shape quite a few nights. Do you need to treat a star player different than you treat a rookie? I think you need to treat them both fairly, but differently. Yeah. You know, if one guy's obviously, if you take salaries into effect, the guy's on a rookie salary and one guy's making, you know, top dollar, there's some uh, differences for sure. You know, if you're leaning on one guy a lot more on the floor than the other guy, for sure. Um, I think the players want to be treated fairly, but um, at the same time, it's going to be a little bit different depending on, you know, like, like Jesse, for example, being our captain, I, you know, I got to have really good communication with him uh, more so than probably a young guy that just makes the team. How, how close do you like to get to your players on a, on a personal level? I like to have fun with them. Uh, you know, I like to joke around and, and still be fun away. But once, once we're in the trenches, it's, uh, it's all work and serious, but I like to have fun with my players and joke around a bit and uh, not so be tight you know kind of away from the rink but obviously when we get locked in we get locked in so um i like to have good uh, relationships with my players what about the soapbox what, what's the josh anderson pregame speech like are you are you fiery in the room or are you more uh more laid back but uh, a little fiery i don't think uh crazy speech guy but yeah fiery intense you know exciting uh you know just you know definitely getting into it and getting prepped up um, but yeah, you know, nothing crazy before the game. Like I said, these guys are professionals. I don't think they need me hooting and hollering too much to get them ready. And every week's different, um, you know, whether different challenge, different preparation. So, uh, yeah, we'll see week to week. It'll be different. Bradley, I guarantee you that. Do you look for a different angle for, for every game? Is it, is it game specific? Like, Hey, you know, you're going to see, Toronto twice this year and I think it was the game of the year last year when Calgary played Toronto so there might be a different rivalry there or you've got Colorado like you know do you look for an angle to fire these guys up week to week and and team specific wise yeah for sure obviously you know an angle um I'll use whatever you know whatever possible to to get the boys motivated and uh you know but the big thing is just making sure they're prepared making sure they feel confident going in with the game plan. So they, if they execute that, we got a good chance to win that night. And then again, just making sure we're ready to compete for that 60 minutes. Um, but yeah, you know, there'll be different things, different teams you mentioned Toronto. I, when I played for Calgary and Toronto, that was one of the biggest rivals in the league. So we play them twice this year. I expect that rivalry to heat up, um, you know, with mouse going to Vancouver. I know we only play them once. I expect that to heat up a bit. So there'll be a few teams where I think the rivalries are going to heat up a little bit and uh, which is good. It's good for the league. And um, like I said, we feel every game is important week to week. So uh, um, yeah, we'll be ready to go. You go into a game with a certain game plan and it's not going well. How do you, how do you react in the moment? Are you able to change a plan on the fly or do you like to stick to the script for a full 60? Well, we're going to worry about us for the most part. Obviously, adjustments are part of it. So obviously, you know, if things aren't going and we got to make adjustments, we'll do that right away. Um, 
but you know we're going to try to play our game for the most part right and uh make them beat us saying that if if something or another isn't working then yes you better change it in a hurry or it could be costing you all night so uh, and definitely adjustments i know halftime you have a little bit more time but um whether it's the first quarter or the second quarter, if they're stinging you on something, we'll definitely try to make the adjustment right away. Do you trust your instincts a lot in that? Like, is that a, is that a gut feeling sometimes knowing what you need to adapt on the fly? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, just watching it. Um, obviously it'd be a bit different now. Uh, obviously my focus was more on just the offense in years past, but now with the focus on defense and offense, yeah, just uh, lean on my, you know, assistant coaches too. And, uh, if they're seeing something and I'm not seeing it or vice versa, then we, you know, we talk about it real quick and try to, whether it's the, at the end of the first quarter or it's right away. Um, yeah. We got to try to make that adjustment. You know, it's as simple as a guy with a hot stick that we didn't expect on the other team that maybe get, you know, get locking him off a little bit early, right. Before he two or three turns into six or seven or, you know, just a bunch of little things like that, that uh, obviously I think we'll adjust to right away. You brought some assistants along with you that you're obviously very comfortable with. Troy Cordingly has been a very successful coach in the NLL. Phil is your cousin. How important was it to have familiar voices around in this new environment? Uh, very important, especially with when I was hired. Um, obviously, tons of good guys on benches all over the league. So, uh, you know, for Troy and Flip, who I was coaching with at the time, with the U-17s at home, um, yeah, obviously very comfortable and uh, things have been going pretty well so far, getting ready for the season. So I just lucky that they were available for one. And then, um, yeah, I just think it's a real good fit. Obviously, Troy's experience is really helpful in a lot of different ways. And Flip, geez, I played probably 75% of my playing career with them. <laughs> um, so it's going to be nice to be on an NL bench with them for sure. You're in a very cool position to be a brand new head coach in the NLL, a chance to come in and be whoever you want to be really with no preconceived notions. So what's your leadership style going to be like? How would you describe it? Again, communication, trying to have a good relationship with the players, um, making sure they're prepared, uh, you know, through video or, you know, like I said, communication, just, uh, you know, just making sure we're ready to go for seven o'clock and compete as hard as we can for that 60 minutes. And then we'll live with the result and make adjustments after that. But uh, again, I, I want to have a good relationship with my players off the floor. And, and then, um, you know, I just think uh, when we're on the floor, compete, 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 and we should be fine. Has your coaching style evolved at all since working in San Diego, working with Pat and that staff at the pro level? I, I coach different for different levels, different teams. Uh, U17 with the kids I've had all year, they can put up with my uh, shit, so to speak. So I'm hard on them. Obviously, I coached up in Snake Island, uh, Senior B, totally different style. I'm coaching up there for the most part. And then pro to me is another different style. So uh, I think I coach to the style, you know, to the level I'm at. Um, so minor, obviously, you can be a little bit harder in that. You still be firm and hard at the pro level, but there's more communication and more teaching because they understand a lot more. And then, like I said, sometimes with the muskies, you just let them do their thing and <laughs> you don't really say too much. So it's, uh, you know, different. Uh, yeah, different for each level I coach, I find I try to adapt to. 
do the players, the, the, the pro players, do you think they're responding differently maybe than when, when you were in the league? Are they motivated by different things today than they were 15 years ago? 100%. Yeah, 100%. Totally different, which is fine. Uh, it's good. Uh, yeah, just got to adapt and evolve. If you don't, you're going to get left behind. So um, I find communication on and off the floor is, is a lot more important. Um you know, I'm probably only going to bark when I have to at the pro level, like I said, compared to the U17 level. Um, so, yeah, it's just, you know, you're dealing with guys that are, some of them are coaches themselves too, right? So you're dealing with, uh, you know, for example, Tice was on the junior A Coquitlam bench, right? So having communication and just kind of talking through things, let alone, you know, they still got to know uh, that that competes got to be there though for that game. That's That's the big thing. Well, I think the huge thing too that you just mentioned, like having a guy like Ethan Ticers or having a mind like Jesse King around, um, Tyler Pace is another another coach. Like how often or how much are you gonna rely on these guys to come up with some of the some of the strategies and some of the things you want to try to implement? Wouldn't say strategies as much as picking their brain and seeing um, you know, if we put something in, you know, if they see something that is not quite working or they think it worked better, you know, the communication that way. Um, you know, we'll put the systems in and we'll show the video now, Hey, they'll all be free to point something out in video. If you know, Oh, what about this? And then we'll talk it over. So, you know, we got Delves, Pacer, uh, Zach, uh, Kinger, a lot of guys that I'll be able to, you know, pick their brain. You're seeing something different than I am a uh, lot of D a lot of die. Right. So definitely, um, I'd be stupid not to, to get some information off those guys. Like what comes first, looking at your roster and going, okay, this is who we have. This is the kind of system we have to adapt. Or does the system come first and then you're trying to acquire players that are going to fit into what you want to kind of team you want to build? Yeah, I obviously uh, when I, not that I, you know, built this, but when I'm, you know, I'm building a team, I, you know, build a certain way. So I'm always looking for that certain way and then build or add off of that. But uh, yeah, there's a style that I believe in and uh, that's the style we're going to be playing in Calgary. What What is that style? Defense transition changes. Definitely. I feel very important um, for my dad. It's always been goaltending defense. I know I'm an offensive coach, but goaltending to defense is number one for me, along with changes and transition. And then we'll find enough, find a way to score enough goals. Hopefully, is that the trend of like the best teams you've you've been on? Championship teams are usually built. The ones that you've been on have been built that way. Yeah, you need you got to score goals to win too. But I always been you know my old man engraved that in me. Uh, defense goaltending um, is number one, and it always will be for me. So. I'll have my hands probably on the D a little bit more than uh, people would think, but uh, you know, that's my kids team, any team that I'm coaching, I want defense transition the way we go. I'm glad you brought up your dad. Thank you. I knew we'd get there eventually, but he was a mentor to so many, a hall of famer, one of the greatest coaches of all time. How much of his style is in your style? Well, you know, well, a lot of everything to be honest, but uh, it'll be the same thing. You know, he, he expected his players to compete, 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 and you weren't going to have a problem. Um, so yeah, it's just uh, defense, you know, value the ball, play smart. Obviously IQ is very important. We don't want to beat ourselves. So 
there'll be a, a lot of things to it, but um, definitely take a lot of things from my old man for sure. Do you take any of your sort of coaching philosophies and does that spill over into your everyday life? Like some of your principles of success, do those work outside of lacrosse as well? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and obviously just taking stuff from different coaches I've had over the years, you know, as Troy or working with Patty and, you know, obviously try to take, you know, things from each guy and learn from it. And whether it's on the floor or in your personal life, try to, you know, get better. What other kind of things can you do to get better outside of, you know, the mentorships and these other coaches or anything else that you do during the week or throughout the course of a year to make sure that you're on your best game as well? Uh, yeah, with video for sure. Um, you know, just watching some other teams and, you know, just picking up the odd thing here or there. And just obviously with uh, videos come very important through the week um, in our league. And then we can, you know, with the players can do it on their own, but then we can also show them on the weekend. And um, so video will be, uh, you know, very good for uh, for me to pick different things out. And it has been for the last while, along with probably every coach in the league. So um, definitely try to learn a lot from that. But again, just uh, talking to your players, getting a feel for them. You know, sometimes travel is an issue in this league. Sometimes you got to back off of practice. There's just a lot to it that you got to change from week to week. And um, hopefully we'll be making the right adjustments. I love hearing about the different ways coaches are using film. It's the number one feedback tool for your players. So what's your film philosophy? How do you use it to get the most out of your guys? Yeah, you want to, you want to bring it across the right way is the big thing. Uh, you know, obviously you don't want to embarrass the guy, but uh, you know, you still got to show him and how we make this adjustment and how we get better for, from it. So it's just finding that balance, of, you know, trying to show the guy, Hey, if we can do this a little bit better this way, I think we'll see better results. Um, obviously, like we mentioned earlier in the if the same mistakes keep happening, you got, there's other ways you got to do it. But um, obviously communication and film are the first few ways. And then hopefully you start seeing the results. If the same mistakes keep happening, then you got obviously other problems. Yeah. You're looking for, you're looking for trends there. So are you, you're more showing guys, Hey, this might've, this is why you got beat on this, on this play on the game before, or maybe if it's an offensive guy, this is why you didn't score. Are you highlighting the positives as well? Hey, this is why this goal worked out because this was, something positive oh, sure. that you did oh yeah yeah, yeah for sure you, you show the stuff that is working hey we got to keep doing this i don't think teams can stop it even if they know it's coming um and then we got to do this better right we can't be taking a shot five seconds into the 30 after our defense has played a minute straight um just stuff like that it'll be more team stuff um and then individually you can always you know talk to a guy during the week or you know just send him a clip hey to to himself and say hey you know what were you thinking on this? So yeah, there's a lot to it, but uh, you know, trying to relay it the the best way is very important, I find. And I guess that's reading your players again. You know, I mentioned you don't want to embarrass guys too much, but what if there's a player that maybe has, you know, lost a little bit of his confidence, lost a little bit of his mojo? How do you how do you handle that player to get him his his confidence back up? Well, I just try to, you know, if it's an offensive guy, you just try to build him up by saying keep shooting. You know, you're playing well, they're just not falling, you know, get more loose balls, probably get more apples, set bigger picks, you might get a rebound goal. Um, just try to help them get out of that slump, so to speak, would be the best thing. And um, 
yeah, just try to work with them. Hey, you know, you're struggling a bit, but that doesn't mean you're not playing well. Um, which a lot of the case, you know, some nights the ball's just not going in. It might be posting out one week and posting in the next. So you try not to uh, overreact too much yet. You know, um, you still got to find a way to produce. So try to work with them and hopefully you can find that balance. You got a lot of smart players in Calgary. We talked about Jesse King, Pace, and Ethan Ticers, like deep thinkers, just real clean lacrosse players. What sets those guys apart well usually they're just doing they're doing everything right on the floor um you know whether it's taking away transition or not forcing something uh you're not taking a bad shot when it's not there you know an old guy hasn't had a shot in two quarters he doesn't just go out to get a shot away he still plays in the system so you know the, the iq is really big on the floor and then obviously off the floor um you can tell which guys are in better shape and, and all that and and that are eating properly and doing all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, their actions. Do you like the high risk, high reward type players? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna name names, but we know there's a few around the league that guys that sometimes hurt you just as many times as they um, will help you win a game. Like, how do you, how do you get through to those guys to make sure that they're doing more positive than, than negative sometimes? Well, with film is some of that, as, you know, some guys you got to give a little bit longer leash because of their athletic ability and how dominant they can be. But at the same time, they still got to play within the system. So, you know, you know, there's going to be a couple guys on each end of our, our team that you can give a little bit more leeway to push, so to speak. And, uh, you know, offensively, you know, a little more leeway to drive the net a little bit if they got the quickness or they get there enough. Um, so yeah, it depends on the player, depends on the situation, but we were going to show confidence in all our, our, our guys. And then, um, you know, it's up to them to perform on the floor, but, uh, you know, through tape and just, um, yeah, some guys get a little extra leash. Another hypothetical for you shoot. If you were in a spot where the team is not gelling or you're in a uh, losing streak midway through the season and guys are kind of getting on each other, like how do you, from a team approach, step back and then bring this group back together. If the group is facing some adversity and not gelling like you, like you'd hope. Uh, communication again, and, and you know, video and showing, and if guys aren't buying in, sometimes you just got to move on. Um, again, it's 25 men, 25 different personalities. And, you know, if, if they're not willing to, you know, sacrifice some of themselves for the team, then we'll just move on from those type of people. That's, how I've been everywhere I went. Um, you know, if you're going to put yourself ahead of the team, it's just not going to work uh, in Calgary anyway. So um, we'll make the right adjustment. But like I said, uh, I've talked to everybody on the team and they've been really good. And I, you know, you could tell from the outside looking in last year that they all were on board on winning. So I don't expect that to change. Um, I expect it to be a bit tougher, a little bit more of a target on our back. Um, when you, you know, when you have that success the year before. So um yeah we're just gonna try to build and add on to that how do you how do you handle pressure like this is uh the big job and a big lacrosse very important lacrosse market you're going into with the team that should be right there at the top do you feel any pressure and how do you handle that pressure oh uh, yeah I, I put enough pressure on myself that i don't need to worry about outside pressure to be honest uh you know i got i put pressure on myself to to perform and have have our team perform so uh, the pressure won't bug me. That's for sure. I'm used to it. You like it? 
Yes, I do. Be perform perform better with with pressure rather than being you know loose with very little expectation. I believe so. I think it's privileged to walk into a team that has high expectations. And and how about as a as a player? Are you similar as a player? Do you think your players should be feeling sort of the same the same way? A good pressure, yeah. A good pressure. Um, you know, put put your you know put some pressure on yourself to perform each weekend and bet on yourself and and uh, you know I, I like our group going in and and there's gonna be a ton of work to do and every week's gonna be a battle and. You know, 13 and five might be tough, but it's all about, you know, trying to play our best lacrosse, find a way in the playoffs and then um, peak at the right time. So, um, you know, there's baby steps, but yeah, trying to make the playoffs in this league's tough. So obviously that's going to be goal number one, probably for all 15 teams. So um, we're no different than that. What's been the toughest moment you've had to overcome so far as a coach in the league? Oh, usually just a, a tough you know, there's been some tough losses the last couple of years in San Diego, um, you know, just in the playoffs. So, yeah, you know, obviously getting put out when, you know, you feel you can keep going. But, you know, in the one game elimination, that's the way this league works. And, um, yeah, the toughest moments would probably be, you know, uh, getting put out at the end of the season. And how did you recover from that? Uh, you know, it stings for a while, but, but time obviously, and then you get coaching other things and, um, you know, look forward to next year and finding ways to improve and, you know, take that final step. I, you know, we're all there to, you know, to be the last team standing. So, you know, try to, uh, you know, make whatever adjustments and whatever additions or subtractions and try to find that right fit. And, um, like I said, we want to be the last team standing. This has been great, Josh. I appreciate your time, man. Um, we've got some curious coaches and youth coaches who might be listening to this. What kind of advice could you give to a new up-and-coming coach? Uh, surround yourself with good people that you trust, I would say, is is, is very important, um, especially as a coach. You know, you're working with your assistants and staff so much. You know, you got to be able to trust them. they got to have your back. Um, and then I mentioned a few times earlier, I find communication with your players so important now um and just having a pulse on on the team and um you know just working things out a different way than i'd say 20 30 years ago this is what i've been ending with i want to end with um okay do you believe in lacrosse gods i know it's kind of a layered question but do you believe in lacrosse gods a little bit yeah in and what is that what does that mean to you in in what way you're going to work for your breaks you're working and doing the right things. The lacrosse guys will usually give you a little favor here and there, you know, work for what you get and you get a little bit of luck. And, uh, I thought actually in our muskus musky series against Aquasosny, um, you know, we got away from the things that made us successful through the year. And then we got back to it in the nick of time in that series. And we ended up winning. And I just thought some of our habits that strayed and we got back to was a big difference in us winning those last two games. See, but it always turns out in the end. That's what it's all about. Uh, Josh, thanks so much for doing this, man. I, I tell people all the time that you were one of my favorite players growing up. You were an inspiration to watch play with your your heart and your hustle and your creativity. And I just love the way that you you saw the game and played the game. So thanks for doing this. And, and I can't wait to see what you can do behind the bench for the Calgary Roughnecks. Appreciate it. Well, thank you for doing this and uh, appreciate it. And I hope everything goes well with the new podcast. I appreciate that. Thanks, Josh. Take care. See you, Brad. Be good. 
That's Josh Sanderson, head coach of the Calgary Roughnecks of the National Lacrosse League, one of the best players all time on the floor, and hopefully he can translate that behind a National Lacrosse League bench as a coach. My name is Brad Challoner. Thanks for listening. This has been Coach's Calls, conversations with the leaders of lacrosse. Mondays, wherever you get your podcast, please like and subscribe. Find me on social media at Brad Chow and email anytime, coachescallspodcast at gmail.com. Hope to talk to you soon. We'll see you down the road. Peace.